Welcome to the Fans Edge Sports Talk Podcast, hosted by Mike and Essex. We want to give listeners a fresh take on all things sports. We aren't professionals. We are fans just like you, man. We got a lot to talk about, you know. Regular season is basically uh, over, you know. The SEC will be playing, you know, some games that they weren't able to make up. And then, you know, the Big Ten's doing this uh this championship week as well. But before I get started, uh, go ahead, like, and subscribe to this video. It'll definitely help us out a lot and help you out a lot. We bring great content, great things to listen to as well, man. But um, let's go ahead and get into our state of the Arkansas uh, segment. You know, Arkansas comes in as, you know, unranked against the number one team in the nation. And the thing about you know, a criteria uh, of the committee is is the look test. You know, how do you beat these unranked teams? And, you know, the number one team look like the number one team putting a 52 Chicken McNugget up on, uh, you know, Arkansas. Not only the defense of Alabama, you know, beginning of the season, they were a little shaky. But as you can see throughout the season, they continue to get better. And they just dominated Arkansas. Uh, Felipe Franks. Had no answer for them, uh, sacked multiple times, and you know Devontae Smith uh, just having a game here. Check this out. This is I think the most impressive stat: Mac Jones not having to throw a touchdown in the game. What's up with that? <laughs> talk to me. Talk to me. What's your opinion on this Arkansas game? I mean, Arkansas fans were so hyped about. Trust me, I know here as a Florida fan, I had to hear it for a week. So hyped about their defense, which their defense have showed so much improvement from last year. Their whole team has showed so much improvement from last year. I'm not trying to sound like I'm um, talking bad about Arkansas, but this is kind of expected. And they talk so much about their defense. Of course, this is the number one team in the nation. They look like the number one team. They show that they're the number one team. So this – this outcome was kind of expected. I, I kind of expected a little bit more fight from Arkansas, maybe some more points, but it doesn't shock me in total to see what the final score is. But I just – I was expecting more fight. I mean, I get it's the number one team, like I said. But that's how the cookie – Yeah, I, I think that it's – it's just kind of crazy, you know. A lot of people, especially SEC fans, say, "Hey, you know, you you jump in our conference, you know, and it's you you can't do you can't come out of our conference and dominate." You know, I think last week I talked about how Missouri went ahead and did it as, as an example. But I mean, dang, this Arkansas team, like I I've been saying every week, they look like the number one team. No one can argue that, and. uh you know, we'll be talking about their matchup that they have coming up uh, against another good offensive team as well. And uh, do you think that Arkansas, I mean, a lot of teams are still making bowl games and things like that, even with the losing record. Do you think that Arkansas will be playing in some type of bowl game at all? No, sir. 
I mean, they've showed a lot of improvement. Like I've said, Sam Pittman obviously has them trending in the right direction. But I don't. Out of all the teams that have showed up and are ranked that were previously pretty much unknown schools because of where they were and all of that, it's it's uh, it's a lot of more. It's a lot more teams, in my opinion, that deserve a spot in a bowl game, other right. than Arkansas. I mean, I, I, I can't argue with that, but, you know, I, I can say this, that I'm definitely looking forward to see what this Arkansas team can do, you know, after, after you know, what do you call it, the, you know, all of this playoffs and everything, and then see how this recruiting is coming up. We're also going to dive into that closer to the end of the show, but we went ahead and had, uh, you know, one game that we picked didn't happen. Uh, I kind of want to talk about that, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And then, um, you know, we went ahead and picked this Miami game. You know, like Miami has a good offense. We think that they can go ahead and handle UNC. UNC has struggled. Um, Sam Howell doesn't look like the quarterback we thought he was, that he should possibly come back for another year. And then he put 62 up versus Miami. Uh, Miami has 26. But to be honest, it looked worse than that, if you want to be 100% honest. Like, it looked like, you know, Miami just had no nothing. And, you know, I, I see a lot of Miami fans talking about, oh, it's this other assistant coach, it's this assistant coach. And I'm just like, no, it's not. I told y'all last year who the problem was. You know, you can't get rid of Dan. Dan, you know, since doing what Manny's telling them, you know, these coaches are doing – what Manny is telling them, Manny has the final say when it comes through the headsets, right? And Manny's just not ready to be a head coach in the Power Five. Definitely not at Miami as well. Um, how, how do you feel about this, man? I hate that we got this game wrong. I was definitely not, definitely not expecting it. I was expecting Miami to win. I thought it was going to be a very good game, a close game. Obviously, it wasn't a close game. And it's just the – I'm not going to say Miami players weren't giving, weren't giving their full effort, but if you go back and watch the game, it's just missed tackle after missed tackle, um, not doing the things that they should do to secure the win and letting this North Carolina team believe and have faith in themselves that, hey – just because this team is ranked, I think they were 10th or 11th or somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Just because we're ranked lower than them doesn't mean that we're not a better team. And as the game continued and as North Carolina gained more momentum and more confidence, they ended up breaking records on them boys. So, I mean, it was it's kind of crazy. I'm upset that we got it wrong because I did not think North Carolina would show up and look like the North Carolina that we were expecting them to look like right. this whole season. Exactly. So. You know, because we, we were picking them to be up there, you know, definitely possibly making a run or something like that. And obviously oh, yeah. that fell through the cracks. I thought Cle I'm not Clemson. I thought North Carolina was going to be pretty much the only competition for Clemson in the ACC. Now it turns out to be Notre Dame. Right. So this is it's a weird time. Hey, as we like to say here, it is what it is, you know. Uh 
after the Big Ten came up with this rule change, we, I mean, they kind of got a little dicey in the in the fans' edge group. You know, a lot of people weren't too happy about this. And my question is, is why is there a problem? You know, why now is there a problem? We all knew, you know, we were saying, hey, it's great for college football that the Big Ten is back in this, you know. Well, we knew that the Big Ten, the way they schedule, we can all agree the Big Ten just did a dumb decision by canceling the season altogether. We've already talked about it. We, you know, there's no point in kind of rehashing that, right? We can all agree to that. But you start talking about punishing teams and punishing these kids because of the conference, the conference's decision. I don't think that that's fair at all. That is my opinion. But why all of a sudden is it now a problem? Because when the Big Ten came out with the schedule, there was no room for error. You couldn't make an error, right? At all. There was no room for error, period, dot. And now we see, hey, there were errors in the Big Ten schedule. It's not like every other conference because the Big Ten started later that where you could go ahead, reschedule. Boom. So that's a problem, you know. Uh, I think that the reason there's a problem is is because of the team that is getting into, if it wasn't Ohio State, I don't think that we would be hearing this outrage. Nobody said anything about the ACC changing their schedule to give, you know, Notre Dame a break or anything like that. Nobody said anything like that, you know. And the crazy part is, is whether Ohio State played Michigan or not, whether they lost to Michigan or not, they still would have been in the Big Ten Championship. That's just that's just flat out. And, you know, the Indiana's athletic director during the call, you know, that these athletic – the Big Ten athletic directors had said that, you know, as Indiana, a little bit disappointed, but we had our shot and we lost to Ohio State. So why punish Ohio State, the team that beat Indiana – just to put Indiana over the team that beat them. That makes, to me, that would make no sense than, than what's happening. I mean, you're right. Uh, I just, I feel like, and obviously you said it also, the reason why people are so upset is because it is the team that it is. No offense. I'm not trying to offend you or nothing, but you Ohio State fans are just something else. <laughs> Like, y'all can really, like, get on somebody's nerves. So I can understand why people are upset because y'all didn't play as many games or only played this many games. But at the same time, the committee says Ohio State meets the eye test. Everybody knows Ohio State is one of those teams in college football year in, year out. We'll show up. I mean, they will run through their conference, get to the conference championship game, and potentially have a spot in the college football playoffs. So I don't really understand why people are so upset, especially because when you look at it from the point that I look at it at, I mean, we're in Arkansas. So most, most fans around here are fans of SEC schools. Right. So would it be different if it was an SEC school? Would it be, would you still feel this type of way if it was an Alabama or a Florida or a Georgia? That's my thing. Like, am I, I, I really don't have a problem with it at all because – I can tell you what they're going to say. We're in the best conference, so shit. Excuse I mean, my we, French, but they're going to be like, we're in the best conference, so it don't matter if we only play four games. Like, 
Exactly. So I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I understand it from the aspect that it's a lot of hate for Ohio State because y'all have a standard and y'all's fan base and y'all's players know the standard. So it could come off as cockiness or just being rude or some type of something like that. But that's not, that's just not what it is. Like I'm a Florida fan. You know me, I'm very cocky about my team because it's a certain standard that I have set my team to from growing up and watching them. Right. Y'all like y'all have won multiple national championships proved in year in and year out the year that y'all couldn't make the year, the year that y'all couldn't get into I, I believe it was the BCS at the time. Only reason y'all couldn't do it is because y'all was under sanctions. I'm pretty sure y'all went undefeated that year. Did y'all not? Yeah. In 2012, we went undefeated and couldn't because of sanctions. So, I mean. Exactly. So, <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't get it at all. Yeah. Uh, we have a Facebook user. Let me see if I can uh, find out who this person is. If you go ahead and click the StreamYard link and go ahead and give it access then we can actually see see whose name this is. Uh, Perry Roberts, uh, one of my football coaches, Coach Perry, said the Big Ten or Pac-12 should have never played a season to begin. Uh, the season was so perplexed right now with COVID breakouts and many games being canceled. And I tell you this, man, um, I, I, I don't agree with that because, again, you know, I don't think that the, the season should have been canceled from the get. You know, I think that you should have went off science, went off of the medical, and stopped going off of uh, hypotheticals. And that's what the Big Ten did. They didn't back it up with any science. They didn't back it up with any facts. They didn't back it up with any proof on why they canceled. And that's the reason why the Big Ten's lawyers said, if this goes to court, the Big Ten's in trouble. Like, that's exactly what the lawyer of the Big Ten said. So, I mean, we're going to try to move on, but... Let's go ahead and talk about uh, Dabo Sweeney, what he went ahead and said. I'm just going to go ahead and read this off. He said, I think anytime you step in between the lines, the game of football, there's a lot that can happen. A lot. I mean, heck, in 2017, we lost a three-win or four-win Syracuse team and still went to the playoff. So anything can happen. Guys can get hurt. There's a lot. So think the fact that we're going – to have 11 games as well as SEC teams. I mean, you look at Florida and Texas A&M. <laughs> I mean, these teams are going to have 11 games this year. It's incredible, and I think the Big Ten had the same opportunity, and they chose not to play. And I think the only reason they ended up playing is because of the leadership of the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12. Uh, and they and have demonstrated that we can do it and do it in a safe way. It's been an unbelievable challenging season, that's for sure, but I think that the committee is going to have a tough, tough questions to answer and things like that regardless of what they do. And, I mean, that might be true, but I think the media – I mean, I think the committee already answered it. They already said we're not going to punish teams for fewer games, we're going to look at we're we're going to have to use, you know, a different way of doing it. The eye test is going to be big, and we all knew that. How how are you beating teams? Me and you talked about Texas A and M not beating shouldn't shouldn't be over Florida because of the way they were playing against teams. You know, they didn't look like the top five team in the nation. They just didn't. 
you know? And then, uh, no offense, but then Florida. You know, Dabo brings up Florida. I mean, you, you just got to go ahead and eat that, Dabo, because Florida just lost to an unranked team with a losing record. Come on, man. I mean, you still want to argue and say that Ohio State isn't the fourth best team when they beat a Michigan State team uh, 52 to, what, 12? And without 23 players? And all because you want to fought Ohio State team who Maryland couldn't face them because of uh because of the Narona. Um Michigan didn't want to play us because of the Rona. Come to find it, check this out. Almost 30 players from Minnesota did not play in this past Saturday's game. You know how many players Michigan is rumored to have out? We're gonna say rumored just to be official. Nine. Nine players. Minnesota got more balls than Jim Harbaugh. Man. So we talked about it after one of the shows, after we got we had got off. And I was like, did you hear about how Indiana could potentially backdoor their way in into the Big Ten championship game? He was like, yeah, the only way they would be able to do it is if Michigan, you know, if Michigan just canceled the game, that would be the only way. And I was like, no, Michigan ain't going to do it. Michigan ain't going to do it. But what did they do? They ended up canceling the game. And I didn't know that they only had nine people and Minnesota had 30. So that really makes Jim Harbaugh and his program look even worse. But I've learned about Dabo over watching him over the years. He is a very good coach. I will not knock him about that. He can recruit. He can. He gets, he gets kids, which is really hard nowadays to lock down their recruit like recruiting process. If somebody is recruited to, if somebody is committed to Clemson, they are a thousand percent committed, not looking at anybody else, not going to flip anything like that. And that is very commendable of Dabo Sweeney because that's hard to do. But I've realized he will say anything to make Clemson look better. Anything that, can help Clemson's chance of staying in the top four, staying in the college football. Yeah, exactly. He will say anything because, I mean, when you know you have, like, I'm not going to knock Clemson and say they're not one of the best teams in the nation. Are they the best team in the nation? No, but they are one of the best. So I can understand why you want to fight so hard for your team. But at the same time, I mean, Ohio State passes the eye test. Yes, yes, Ohio State isn't the same in the trenches as they usually are. But you know what? They're still out here blowing people people out by two touchdowns. So what's the problem? They can't – nobody can help how this season is turning out because nobody was prepared for the Rona. Nobody was prepared – for anything, we didn't even think there was gonna be a football season at before all of this happened. Yeah. And now that we got one, everybody want to attack Ohio State and bring up the fact that Ohio State has only played this many games, but nobody was prepared for this. If no, they no. meet, what's yeah. up? No, go ahead, go ahead, finish. If they meet the eye test and they continue to win and dominate, and they're one of those blue blood programs that year in year out, you know is more than likely going to show up and not make the committee look stupid for putting them in there, then what's the problem? Why, Dabo, why even speak on them? 
Worry about what's going on at Clemson right now. You have a game against Notre Dame that you should be worried about. Yeah, you got Trevor Lawrence back, but, I mean, we believe Trevor Lawrence is going to be the 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 deciding factor in that game, but we don't know. Right. But you have other – you have more important things to worry about than trying to drag down another program. I believe he's doing that because he don't – know if they will beat Notre Dame <laughs> with Trevor Lawrence because if they don't beat Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence, then they're out. They are out of there, but you got to make your team look as strong and as good as possible while you can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, move on to your your man, man. We got to go ahead and move on to Dan Mullen and what he said. I, I don't have a vote on that. I'm not in the room. You know what I mean? I know we've played 10 games. Right. So I guess probably the best thing to do would have been to play less games because you seem to get rewarded for not playing this year in college football. But I tell you what, I give our guys a lot of credit. The competitors, our guys are that they want to go out there and compete every single week. Uh, you know, that, that we face a lot of injuries. We face a lot of adversity. We've you know, we've played shorthanded a lot of games. So we're going to worry about the SEC championship game next week. And uh Beyond that, whatever anybody wants to vote us to do, then we'll see what what is next. All right, man. So you know that that was Dan Dan Mullen's take on the the whole thing after putting up a, a loss to LSU. You know, and there and there was multiple factors that go in that loss. You know, but I I put it on the coach and I put it on the coaching staff. You know, uh, me and you we had a nice little debate uh, last night about this i actually enjoyed that uh that debate as well and you know most of it you know i was basically i was joking i was throwing all of these shots at dan mullen but like i was kind of upset about it because my thing is is you should be focused on your own team and what you could do and maybe if you were a little bit more focused on your team you might not put up an l against an unranked lsu team you know and this is why we say it's ohio against the world because everybody no matter what Ohio State does, people are going to always come, always try to uh, minimize what Ohio State does and everything like that. Cool. But, Dan Mullen, you also you, – let, let's talk about your mistakes. Yeah, okay, uh, Kyle Pitts was hurt, but the whole time he was saying that he wanted to play and he wanted to get in the game, right? So, But you don't want to send him because you want to arrest him for SEC championship. That was your call. Instead of letting it be Kyle Pitts and playing, because I tell you this, I've seen other players play at 60%, and that 60% was still good. Plus, you could just, you don't even have to put him in the action all like that. You could use him as a decoy because he's out there. He's going to take a double team or two. So it's just scheme, right? It's all in the head, right? It's a young secondary and a young defense in LSU. So, they they can make several mistakes. Again, what you didn't do is people have bad games. Uh, what's his name? Was having a bad game. Kyle Trash was having a bad game. You know what you could have did against a young LSU uh, defense? You could have put in Emory Jones, who adds the run element to it, ran some RPOs, different things like that, and that would have led to some scores. But you let a guy continue to make mistakes after mistake after mistake. Three turnovers. I feel like that kind of killed uh, my man Kyle Trask Heisman because I I was all for him, you know, getting his Heisman, but I feel like that that right there killed it. But 
as a coach, it all falls on you. All falls on you, you know? And then we could talk about one thing that wasn't your fault, the guy throwing the shoe or whatever, but you shouldn't have been in that position against the unranked LSU team who has several defensive backs injured, but they were still making plays. I'm going to let you go ahead and finish off Dan Mullen. We talked about it last night. Also, I was joking a lot, but it was it was a very intense but good debate that we yeah. all had. I even like I even came out and said like I I, I believe y'all like I'm not trying to say y'all are wrong because a lot of people when they come to that team they don't want to they don't want to own up to it. I can own up to it. Should we have been in that position? Not at all. Not in the first place. But at the same time. I don't like coming after kids or not kids, young men. I don't like coming after college athletes because they still have a lot of growing to do. Right. But Marco Wilson as a red shirt junior. So technically a senior on senior night should be smarter than that. I don't care. That is what decided the game right there. You can say what you want, but that is what decided the game. Dan Mullen. I have a love hate relationship with him. I love him. Because he has put Florida back in where we where I'm used to us being national recognition, top seven, hopefully by the time it ends, top five recruiting class, potentially at the end of the season back in the top 10. But the things that I don't like and the reason why people call him Dopey Dan is because he does stuff like he does. Oh, we've we've played a majority of the season. Uh, with less numbers and a lot of guys out. LSU literally had a cornerback out there. I verbatim, the commentator said, we don't even have this guy on our list. We don't have anything to say about him other than he's a true freshman. And he has to come out here in a situation like this and play. And he balled out. He did what he needed to do. I hate that Dan Mullen does little little petty stuff like go (laughs) after Ohio State when – like it start it starts at the top. You need to hold your players accountable. I can tell you right now, if Will Muschamp was still the coach at Florida and Marco would have pulled that stunt, oh, oh, <laughs> uh, Marco, he, he probably would have ran out there, caught the caught the caught the cleat before it uh fell and went and gave it back, and then beat the heck out of him. <laughs> exactly, Marco would have got an earful. And this is another thing during the press conference, they were like, "Do you, how." What like when the fog happened? What was the visit like? Was it hard to see? He was like, "No, I saw everything." And then somebody was like, "Well, how did you feel about Marco throwing the cleat?" Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> what? How does that make sense, Dan? You need to hold yourself accountable, and yeah. you need to hold your players accountable, and you need to you need to hold your defensive coordinator accountable also because the young players out there looking like they don't know their loss. The, the experienced players are looking out there looking like they don't know what's going on and their loss. First quarter, we had to use our second time out because on defense, we were missing one person. Like at the end of the season, we shouldn't be we shouldn't we shouldn't be having problems like this at the end of the season, especially one game before we potentially go to it, go to a SEC before we go to a SEC championship game and potentially if we do right in that game, go 
play in the college football playoffs. Dan has to hold himself accountable because it starts at the top. And that is one of the main, some of the main reasons why my relationship with Dan Mullen is a love hate relationship. I get why they call him Dopey Dan. I get why a lot of people don't like him because he does make a lot of decisions, dumb decisions, sorry. But he also, I mean, he brought us from, I think we were like four and something to winning 10 wins the next season. So if you can continue to, if you can continue to keep the ball rolling, but also hold yourself and your players and your staff accountable, it will no longer be a love-hate relationship. It'll just be a straight love relationship. But until then, Dan, I'm sorry, but you on my shit list. Excuse my friend. <laughs> hey, happen. Speaking of uh, coaches, man, we had so many coaches get fired. We're talking about Lovey Smith from Illinois, Gus Malzahn from Auburn, Will Muschamp, South Carolina, uh, Kevin Sumlin, Arizona, Derek Mason, Vanderbilt. And my thing is this is, uh, you know, uh, Illinois came out. I'm just going to run through the list. Um, Illinois comes out talking about we're, we, we've mutually parted ways with Lovey Smith, Illinois. Who do you think that you're going to get better? Uh, your quarterback gets hurt or whatever. And then you have another young quarterback who shows some promise and everything and makes plays, uh, looks really well. So we're firing coaches during a pandemic where they weren't able to have no spring practice, where you got guys out because of uh, the Rona. It don't make no sense. Then I'm going to tell you why Gus Malzahn got fired. Gus Malzahn got fired all because he hired Chad Morris. Their offense took regression instead of progression, and that was the dumbest hire. That hiring him was dumb. You already saw what he did at Arkansas. He didn't even know how to pick a quarterback. And now he's supposed to be a quarterback's coach. And now you see Bo Nix look worse this year than he did last year, right? Uh, Will Muschamp, uh, has he had some bad seasons since he's been at South Carolina? Yes. But again, this is a pandemic. Don't think the man should have got fired. Kevin Sumlin, same thing at Arizona. He's been there three years. But, I mean, yes, they got embarrassed. Yes, we understand they got embarrassed by Arizona State. But Arizona State is really a good team and a top team. When you you got USC up there topping the rankings, and you're talking about them taking USC to the uh, wire, you know, and USC just ended up making plays. They played a really good game against UCLA. Um, and then a Derrick Mason at Vanderbilt. That – oh, God. I was so pissed when I seen Derrick Mason get fired. And I'm a Derrick Mason fan. We saw him last year winning games that he wasn't supposed to win. Again, we're in a pandemic. What do you expect him to do? And Vanderbilt doesn't pour any money into their football program. None. You got the same facilities for the past 30 years or more. It's ridiculous. And you're going to blame Derrick Mason? You're going to blame him? If he goes anywhere, to be honest, you could take this guy to Texas and I guarantee you Texas will be better off. I guarantee you that they will possibly win a freaking game against Oklahoma. You could take this man to uh, Auburn, and I guarantee you he he's going to have better players. You know, he doesn't have to worry about the academic uh, uh, things and stuff like that at Auburn or Texas um, like he does at Vanderbilt. He can recruit. He's a good coach. He knows how to motivate, and all his players love him. Vanderbilt, 
Y'all, y'all, you gotta do better. Gotta do better. Exactly. I remember tell I remember t- breaking the news to you that Derek Mason got fired. And I was upset because a lot of the points you made, Derek Mason is a very good coach. He he his players buy in at a school that is a academic school and a baseball school. You have your football program buying in and winning games that they shouldn't win and building confidence. He can recruit. He can't get the best of recruits because y'all don't put money into y'all's football program like that. Exactly. So I, don't, I don't understand why you let someone like Derek Mason go. Yes. Yes. Their record is horrible, but he, like I said, he had guys buying in, which is hard to do at a lot of programs. And he had them trending somewhat in the right direction. Lovey Smith. Like you said, who can you get? Who can you get that can really come into Illinois and shake up the program other than Lovey Smith? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Gus Malzahn. Soon as I saw it, I was like, how how do you fire Gus? I promise you, I will be pissed off if Gus Malzahn is the only coach on that staff fire. Because Gus Malzahn, when he was an offensive coordinator, got Auburn to a national championship won them a national championship, got them to another national championship as a head coach, couldn't win it, but still got them there. It's getting y'all the recognition y'all need. Then the one common denominator that comes in, now he get fired. Y'all pay him all this money. What was it, last year or two years? He about to be sitting pretty. What is a 21 million, 21 million uh buyout? He about yes, to be in pretty. <laughs> so how are you gonna how are you gonna pay him all of this money just to fire him a year or two years later? Because I mean, I guess it's his fault for hiring Chad Morris, but at the same time, you cannot blame him for Chad Morris not having a he high football he, IQ. He should have been fired, Chad Morris, like that exactly. during the season. So I think that that was the reason. And and I, I want to say, I said it in one of our earlier episodes, you know, a few weeks back. I said, if he don't fire Chad Morris right now, he's probably going to lose his job. Exactly. You did say that. You I hundred And I 100% agreed with you because Auburn is a marquee program. Gus Malzahn is a very good coach. I mean, I guess uh, I bet he's wishing he would have took that Arkansas job right now, but still, <laughs> <laughs> still, he's a very good coach. And yeah. any, I promise you, any program, especially if it's a down program, if they get Gus Malzahn, will completely turn around. Look at it. Look at it when he was at Arkansas State. Had him, had him just going ham. I think he's going to go to Arizona. I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's just, or he I can hate that. I hate seeing good coaches be fired for something out of their hands, pretty much. Will Muschamp, ah, this might be a slightly biased view, but I can understand why he got fired because he's more of a he's more of a defensive coach. He that is that is his forte. By the way, I mean I don't know if you're gonna see this. Hopefully you do. Will Muschamp, Florida's looking for a uh, a defensive coordinator. We should be anyway. We need to be anyway. But Will Muschamp, very good coach. When he was at Florida, had us back to back to back. Number one, I mean, top three recruiting classes. Very good. Very good. Very good defense. The offense was just shaky. That was it. Exactly. So I don't understand how you can let people like this go. Yeah, they're having hard times at the programs they're at. But you got to understand, coming from 
coming from a Florida to a South Carolina, obviously you aren't going to get the same kind of recruits. Gus Malzahn, year in, year out, is getting very good recruits. He just – it's just up in the air. Yeah, and then Kevin right. Sumlin has always been a – I want to say consistently average coach. So I can un- kind of understand why he got let go, and especially after getting embarrassed by your rivals like that. But I still feel like he could, you could have at least let him finish out the season and see where it went from there. I just, I, I just feel like during the pandemic, you really – it has to be something drastic, right, for you to get fired. Like I said, like the Gus Malzahn, I knew I knew it was happening because of the Chad Morris thing. But uh, I want to go – Coach Perry is back. Uh, he talked about – made some good points. Vanderbilt is a hard place to win from the begin for the beginning with. For James Franklin to show success is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, I agree. James Franklin did show show that, and guess what? He ended up moving on to Penn State and has Penn State in a better place than Vanderbilt, right? Or if that Vanderbilt could ever be, literally. He's doing a better job at Penn State than he did at Vanderbilt. Why is that? Because he can get the recruits that he needs. He doesn't have to worry about the GPA type thing. And guess what? Penn State's put money into the program, unlike Vanderbilt. So uh, he also made a good point about uh, Hugh Freeze and Rich Lashley are viable candidates for the Auburn vacancy. Uh, Definitely could see Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Uh, Just what he's been doing uh, on his coaching tree, I just think is amazing. Uh, That's something I could possibly have. It looks like you might disagree with that. The only reason I disagree about the Hugh Freeze thing is because what he got fired for in the first place. A lot of people are still going to look at that and still take that into account. I think Hugh Freeze is a very good coach, but the fact that he let Ole Miss pretty much just run wild and the reason why Ole Miss is looking the way they're looking now is because of Hugh Freeze. Very good coach, but if you can't, if you can't control yourself pretty much, because like we always talk about, it starts at the top. You know everything that's going on. Why are you why are you over here trying to get your players what he was trying to get his players? I mean, you, you are very right. Urban Meyer ain't uh he didn't recruit another Hernandez, I can tell you that. <laughs> What's crazy is on its own on social media, they were like Marco Wilson is the most hated Florida Gator, and we had a murder on the team. But like I was saying, you can you can show you can show like you've learned from it and things like that. And if Hugh Freeze does show that he's learned from it, I have no problem with it. But I feel like that is one of the main things that's gonna hold him back from getting another major D1 program, like being the, the head coach at another major D1 program as of right now. I got you. I got you. Well, let's go ahead and uh, while we talk about programs, let's talk about the programs that are actually doing something, man. Uh, We got the Pac-12 championship uh, with Washington versus USC. Big Ten championship, Northwestern versus Ohio State. Uh, We got the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma versus Iowa State. ACC championship, Clemson versus Notre Dame. Yes, Notre Dame is in a conference this year. Uh, SEC Championship, Alabama versus Florida. The Sun Belt Championship, Louisiana Raging Cajuns versus Coastal Carolina. The AAC Championship, number 25, Tulsa versus Cincinnati. And the Mountain West Championship, 
Boise State versus San Jose State. I think that this is gonna this is a great, great lineup uh for championship week. Uh the Pac-12 will be doing their championship game on Friday. So be looking for that. The rest of these games, I believe, are on Saturday. And then you have like you know the Mountain West to be late, late, late. Pac-12 will probably well, like I said, Pac-12 will be Friday late, late time. But um, I mean, these, these are some great matchups. Uh Northwestern has continuously you know, been moved up the rankings. They just got another W. Maybe they possibly move up the rankings again. And then Ohio State will have two top 25, you know, uh, teams that they have beat on their resume, uh, which if they win that game should help them get into the college football playoff. But um, uh, Coach Perry is back saying San Jose State is the biggest surprise of all these conference title participants. And I definitely have to agree with that. San Jose is actually coming into this game undefeated. So, I mean, it's going to be a good game between them and Boise. Uh, what we have started to do, as you see, we see we don't really have any picks in. We're not really telling you about picks. What we're going to do is, is during the week, I want you all to be looking. We're going to end up posting who who I – you can actually see who I pick and who Essex pick. And we're going to post that on our social media accounts. That means it's going to be on Instagram. That means it's going to be on Facebook as well. And it's also going to be on Twitter. So if you are a betting person and you're looking for, hey, which team, which team Mike going with, which team Essen going with, or the fans edge is going with, you will finally be able to see that. Um, and then that way you don't have to worry about listening to the show uh, all the time for those picks. Because we were, like we, we've been having these great topics, and there's so many topics, and we want to get more on it at. Like we said, this is a discussion, and we're glad that people are tapping into this discussion as well, man. Uh, which one of these uh, conference championship games are you looking forward to seeing? I, see. I mean, it's, it's a great slate of games regardless, except for I want to say – Possibly two. Two of these I'm already known are going to be blowouts. I ain't going to say which ones. Please say which ones. Please. Please tell the people. <laughs> I feel like the Northwestern Ohio State game is going to be a blowout in Ohio State's favor. I'm not going to sleep on Northwestern because they did show that they are a pretty good team earlier in the season. That Michigan, that Michigan State game just kind of it, – it. I took a step back on them after that. And then you already know, especially after the performance we put on last night, I feel like Bama finna thump us. I'm not gonna lie. I am a homer. I I'll go ahead and give it up right now. I did pick Florida to win, but that's because I'm a homer and I will never pick against my team. But the 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 game I'm honestly looking forward to the most is honestly the Sun Belt Championship game between ULL and Coastal Carolina because these are two very good teams that didn't really get the attention that they needed until a year like this, and they have showed that. Just because we're not a, a SEC team or a Big Ten team, Pac-12, Big 12, I mean, Big Ten, whoa. <laughs> Anything like that doesn't mean we can't show up and show out and show you that we have a lot of talent on this team and we deserve respect on our names. This is going to be a very good game, I believe. And I'm just ready for it because Coastal Carolina was not a team I was looking for at all. They weren't even on my radar at all ULL I've heard about them they've they've shown up and they've beat teams that they shouldn't have beat 
in the past, but I wasn't expecting them to go on the type have the type of season that they're having this year. So this game is a is one that I urge y'all to watch because if you watch this game, you will see that there's a lot of talent outside of the power five also. Like you hear from Essex, man, there's definitely a lot of talent out there. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm excited. I love championship week. I love to see uh, these teams battle, and you never know. There could possibly be a surprise. And don't, don't, don't sleep on your team, man. Uh, they, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be hungry, and they're going to fight. So, I mean, you, you never know. You never know. Another reason why I don't understand how Gus Malzahn got fired, they just came off of beating Alabama the year before. So, it, just stupid stuff, you know. Um, let's talk about uh, our Heisman candidates, man. We basically got the same five, but we got them in a different order. Uh I know people are like, oh, this is an Ohio State fan. How does he have Justin Fields at five? The reason why I have Justin Fields at five is because of um, what I want to say is is the Indiana game. Um, was it the Indiana game? Yeah, him throwing three interceptions, uh, not looking like himself at all. And because of the short number of games, I just feel like he had to continue to be perfect like he started the season off with, which is very hard. So, you know, because of the number of games, and they're not going to do by average, which I think that they should for this year. They should do average. So I got him at five. I think Mac Jones, just the consistency that he has been doing all year, surely puts him up there. And to be honest, uh, I would have put Devontae Smith at one because I think that Devontae Smith should be up there uh, to go ahead and win it because I feel like either without him, you know, Jalen Waddle went down, but definitely without Devontae Smith, if you didn't have him, you definitely still wouldn't be in the position that you're in, I personally believe. And then uh, I put Trevor Lawrence there. The game that they did lose, uh, Trevor didn't play, you know. I mean, sometimes he can show uh, some, some shaky things, but then he comes back and blows the team out. And my guy Kyle Trask, uh, I would have had him up there at two had he won that game or – uh, maybe three, but I'll probably put him at two. But after that performance, you know, three three turnovers, you know, uh, in, in a game of a team that you should have just beat, uh, a non-ranked team. Um, you know, if, if Justin Fields had it through three interceptions against a non-ranked team, I probably would have just, boom, took him out. But uh, Trevor, I mean, Kyle Trask can't take away from what the guy has been doing all season long. Uh, I just had to put him at four, man. Uh, I feel you. He didn't throw three interceptions, by the way. He only threw two, but oh, he, he had, a had a fumble. Yeah, it was, it was three turnovers on it. Yes, but I I agree with you. I we we talked about it multiple times when we were when Florida was hot. When we was hot. I even looked at you and I was like, "All oh, this Mac Jones for for Heisman? I'm not I'm not understanding it." Kyle Trask is obviously the best fit or the most worthy of winning the Heisman until last night. I even said it in our little group. I was like, with these three turnovers, if Kyle Trask don't come out and ball the next half, he can kiss that Heisman goodbye. And what happened? Adios, sayonara. He not getting it. He not getting the statue outside of Florida. And uh, it's just crazy. I put Mac Jones at one because, like you said, he has just been consistent. Week in, week out. He has came out, showed up and played and put his team in the best position to win games. Devontae Smith, 
I would put him at number one, but somebody has to get Devontae Smith the ball, which is Mac Jones. So I can't, even though all of the things that Devontae Smith is doing is pretty much unprecedented, I have to put Mac Jones over him. Justin Fields, I give him number three because nobody, I'm not going to say nobody expected Ohio State to look as good as they did, especially as they have, especially with only having five games, but they still look like one of the best four teams in the nation. And other than Ryan Day, it starts with the quarterback. So Justin Fields, he has been consistent since he got there. Obviously, we all know he did not get a fair shake at Georgia at all. He could really still be at that program. Maybe Georgia wouldn't have lost to Florida this year. Who knows? But I got Kyle Trask at four because he was my favorite, obviously, because that's my team and that's my guy. But after the performance last night, it just he did not look the same for some reason. I don't I'm not with all these other people that are saying, oh, it's because Kyle Pitts wasn't there. We got too much talent on the offensive side of the ball to for. I mean, I get Kyle. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Pitts. KT, don't get me started on KT. It break my heart because he went out there and he played his heart out. But anyway, Kyle Trask, they want us. They, we have too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I get Kyle Pitts would have drawn multiple double teams, but as a person, as a player who's going out there and breaking records and showing why, like people were wrong to sleep on you. You have to you have to be the one that goes to the sideline or goes in the locker room at halftime and tells your team, hey, we better than this. We shouldn't be in this position and then go out there and ball, but he couldn't do it for some reason. And then I have Trevor Lawrence at five. It's not, it's kind of a knock towards Trevor Lawrence, but at the same time, it's not. I mean, look at what he's done since he's committed and been playing at Clemson multiple college football playoff uh, uh, chances, even one one. If he hasn't won a Heisman by now, why should he win one? Is That's my <laughs> biggest thing. If he won it by now, why should he win one? <laughs> that is my biggest thing. Like, well, yes, the first, the first time in. when he won a national championship because he didn't start the season off. Maybe if he had started the season off, then he would have uh, won that's a Heisman. That's even more reason to give him the Heisman. He did not start the season out. True freshman comes in for Kelly Bryant, who was a good quarterback himself. You come in and lead this team to a national championship, give him the Heisman. So if he ain't done it by now, I don't believe he should get it. Yes, I believe he should be one of the first quarterbacks, if not the first quarterback taken off the board in the draft. But when it comes to Heisman talk, you can go ahead and kill it. Dang, dang. Well, Coach Perry said if Trash can leave Florida uh, to beat Alabama somehow, he's back in the conversation as of right now. Is Mac Jones trophy to lose, in my opinion. Definitely agree with that last part, man. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. You just never know. You never know how these people like to vote. You just never know, man. I, I was talking to some uh, a, a, uh, a regular at the bar earlier. And he was like, I mean, if y'all beat Alabama, y'all should get back in. Alabama will probably drop down to four or something. I was like, no. I was like, it is too many one-loss teams and undefeated teams that should get in ahead of Florida. And that's coming from a diehard Florida fan. So, 
I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. If Kyle does go out there and ball, I mean, he should probably be back in the mix, but I don't believe he should. I don't I don't believe he should get it. Uh, y'all heard it from the diehard uh, Florida fan, man, right there. Um, you know, the CFP rankings, we didn't get to do a show because I was driving, you know, from Dallas and everything. So we didn't get to do a reaction show. We'll definitely do a reaction show. Uh, it's going to come out on Sunday after the games, right? And we're going to figure out. I mean, I think we got one this week because they're going to let out one Tuesday and then we'll have another one. Oh, you, Matt, Matt is in here talking about Gator Bay. Ain't nobody worried Matt. about Matt. Matt been, quiet, Matt been quiet all season. Hey, he been all dead. season. He's been ain't posting. heard nothing he from him. He started posting last night, man. Oh, trust me. I know. I ain't, I ain't worried about it. <laughs> I ain't worried about hey, it. Hey, Matt was definitely one of our uh, number one guys last year. You know, they national championship year, but he has been quiet. But we always appreciate Matt coming out, showing his support. Man, much love to your brother. But you know, let's go ahead and talk about these college football playoff rankings because, I mean, Cincinnati dropping after not playing, Georgia dropping. I just feel like they should have dropped completely out of the the top ten if you're just going to drop them and just drop them out of the top ten. But they moved Iowa State up, and I'm starting to see you got – Teams like Missouri new in, new in the rankings. You got teams like Texas new in the rankings. You got teams like USC. You got all of these teams starting to move up. And I'm like, could the Pac-12 possibly get somebody in there? Or is it setting up for the Big 12 to possibly get somebody in there? I mean, there there's a lot of stuff about this that – uh. I'm I'm kind of thinking with this uh with this with this playoff, but I mean Missouri sneaking in the top twenty five with a five three record. I don't I don't know about that, man. I mean, heck, San, like I said, San Diego State's undefeated. You know, I mean, yeah, they at sitting at six and zero, oh, but I think that that's better than than five and three. But that just goes to show me, you know, that the committee. I mean, it's ESPN. The committee is definitely works for ESPN. It it's just gonna definitely show that that bias, man. It is what it is. What what are you getting from the latest playoff rankings, man, and how they're moving these teams up like this? I mean, obviously the committee somewhat knows what they're talking about because they had A and M over Florida. I mean, I guess you can say it's because of the head to head, but A and M won the games that they were supposed to win, except for the Florida game. They weren't supposed to win that one. And they have continued to show that they have a chance and they are potentially worthy of being in the top 24. I mean, top four. I ain't worried worried about that. Uh, (laughs) um, But I feel like the committee is setting it up to once again have two SEC teams in there by having A&M at five. Because if Clemson loses to Notre Dame again, Clemson's out of there. If Notre Dame loses to Clemson, I mean, the four is pretty much already set. Like, we're going in how it is. Having Georgia still in the top ten, I don't get. I mean, we will see how it shakes out, especially after Tuesday. 
because I expect us to drop. I expect a lot of different teams to rise. And I expect the teams that are mediocre, I guess, to stay in the same place. But I feel like there are teams that should be getting shown more love, like San Diego State. I don't know how Missouri made it into – how does Missouri get into the top 25 <laughs> after beating know. Arkansas? I don't know, man, but um, I don't know. Uh, hey, that, maybe, the, maybe the committee values, you know, Arkansas. Um, I thought what was crazy is they flip-flopped Coastal Carolina and BYU – I felt like Coastal Carolina should have got a little bit more love because their resume is uh, is a whole lot better. But, I mean, after that uh, the game with BYU, they almost uh, lost. <laughs> they almost put up uh, a L um, in their past game, but they fought back in the uh, last, last minutes of the game and finally came out with that dub. Uh, we're going to go ahead and predict uh, who we think is the uh, going to be the final four? And this is basically predictions. What we put out here is uh, the record that the team will have once they are selected. So um, this was something that Essex and I both agreed on right here. Let me go ahead and move that out the way. Uh, Alabama will finish at number one at as 11 and 0. We're figuring Clemson is going to be um, Notre Dame and they'll be 10 and 1 at number two. Ohio State will be will be pushed up to number three for a rematch in the semifinals against Clemson sitting at six and oh and Notre Dame at number four sitting at ten and one. And the reason why I just think Clemson's gonna beat Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, Notre Dame when they okay, I, I know I'm on record saying that Notre Dame does not win their big games. They won a big game against Clemson. But what I should have said is, is is Notre Dame doesn't win their big games on neutral site field. And that's what I, I should have said. It was a home game for Notre Dame. They went ahead and won. Even though uh, Ian, Ian Brooke went ahead, fumbles in the dang on end zone and all of that stuff, I mean, they, they still pulled it out. And, I mean, I think Clemson is going to go ahead and win. It's going to be on a neutral site. I mean, I, yeah, I think Clemson is going to win in that game. It's going to set up for uh, Clemson and Ohio State rematch in the semifinals, which I just think I think it's going to be a good game. You know, uh, shout out to Dabo. He already gave Ohio State bulletin board material. So that's just going to add fuel to the fire of Ohio State. Also, um, we're going to see, can Dabo put the refs on payroll again? You know, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing that. What, what do you think about the top four that we went ahead and selected? I feel like at, looking at it right now, now that I've had some time to sit back and look on it, at me, myself, I feel like even if Clemson does beat Notre Dame because of the whole Ohio State only playing a certain amount of games, they'll probably keep y'all at four. But at the same time, I feel like they will bump y'all up because nobody's trying to watch Clemson and Notre Dame play two, two in a row. Three. Three games all year, two in a row. Ain't nobody really trying to see that. Yeah. So I can – I agree with our list, but I can see how it might not be perfect. Yeah, and and that, that, that was basically the only reason why, uh, you know, I felt that we should put Ohio State at three is because you're just not going to want to play that team back-to-back. You know, we saw with Alabama 
and Georgia, how that turned out. And, you know, the only the way the committee looked at it as was like, well, we'll just see one of the, you know, we'll see if they make it to the natty. That's when they can play each other. And to be honest, that's how I think that it should be, you know, um, give a team a break. And it's hard to beat a team twice as well. But um, if y'all got any takes on this playoff race, you know, uh, we got Coach Perry. He went and said Clemson had to win or they'll be dropping out of the playoff race. So he agrees with us, man. Clemson, they have to, they have to win. And I tell you this. Dabo has to win because if he doesn't win, he gets put out of the picture. Were you speaking for Texas A&M to take your spot? Because we all know the committee has still not put a two-loss team in here. Like you said, there's too many undefeated teams in here. There's way too many, you know, one-loss teams, and there's still undefeated teams. So, I mean, hey. Like I said, I mean, I kind of feel like the committee is already trying to get two SEC teams and SEC teams in there by having AM at number five. AM is a very good team, but do I believe they're the the, the fifth best team? No. Heck but, no. Alabama gonna stump a mud hole through them like they already did. <laughs> we just gonna have to wait and see. Apparently, the committee knows more than us. Somehow, right? Somehow they know more than us. Somehow, man. Uh, we went ahead and we, you know, go. let's just uh, talk about it. Uh, early signing day is coming up this Wednesday. Uh, I'm, I can't believe I almost missed this, man. You know, uh, this is definitely a time that I'm always looking forward to. But this recruiting period has just been a little bit crazy, right? Uh, you know, the dead period started. And they never let up off of the dead period. Then you got places like the Big Ten where recruits can't go to the game, period, you know, because the Big Ten, even at one point, they told the parents that they couldn't even come to the game uh, after saying, hey, parents, y'all can come to the game. And then, you know, they start letting the parents back, all of this crap. But anyways, it put, you know, Big Ten teams and other conferences at a disadvantage because, you had guys like Emeka Abuka, who finally ended up committing to Ohio State, but he went down to Oklahoma because he was able to go watch those games and able to be there, check out Norman and things like that. And any players that was visiting Ohio State, they couldn't have contact with the team, but they was able to go and walk around the city and all of those things as well. But this is an interesting recruiting class. You know, uh, starting off, Ohio State was like number one, number one, and then like we said, it was still early. Uh, I want to say we talked about this preseason, you know, and Bama ends up sneaking back up there, getting that number one spot and looking good, man. I mean, if the, the rankings hold true to how they are now, uh, this will be a very interesting class. And I'm thinking that because of these coaching firings and things like that, we could see some late recruitment, uh, some late flips and everything. I think that these athletic directors don't realize, hey, let me get this guy signed on the dotted line before I start, hey, dismissing these kids, you know? So we could possibly see a lot of flips coming soon. I completely agree with you about the flip the flip statement. I didn't really even think about that until you said it, but because this is hands down the hardest year to recruit. 
if you can get a, a recruit to commit this year, that means you have sold them. They are bought into what you're telling them because you can't really you can't really have them on campus. You can't have them take the the normal, the traditional campus visit because of what's all going on right now. So if you can get a kid to buy in and commit and shut down his recruitment during this time, then that just shows what the staff, the coach, the team, the program, all of that is doing. So, I mean, it's it's going to be a fun and wild time because, like you said, I do I do expect a lot of people to still flip at the end of the day, regardless of how long they've been committed. And especially after a lot of these coach firings. So we're just going to have to sit back and wait. This this early signing period is going to be one for the books, in my opinion. And it'll probably go down as one that we remember for a while. Can't argue with that statement, man. Uh, so everybody Wednesday, be looking out. Uh, you know, it starts early morning at 8 o'clock, uh, 7 o'clock um, Central Time because, you know, they get started on the East Coast real early. Uh, most of the time I end up waking up and seeing, like, so-and-so already committed. Like, these kids just can't wait. They're faxing in their stuff right away. Uh, we went ahead and did. We picked two games last week uh for NFL and excuse me I did not put the week number in there but um the New England Patriots only scored three points against the LA Rams 24 Indianapolis Colts uh end up winning uh I definitely did not finish uh I don't even know that the game did the Indianapolis Colts finish uh with 44 points was it did it end at 44 20 because when I put that in it was like two minutes left I believe so. I wasn't I was working at the time, so I was keeping up with the game, but I wasn't able to fully put my attention into the game. Okay, so I'm seeing that uh the Oakland Raiders went ahead and they won one more game. I mean they they, they scored one more point. So that was about it. That was about it. Um I didn't really get to watch that game, but it was a pretty good game. I mean, just watching the highlights, they were going back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, what you think about your guy, Phillip Rivers? Uh, him and T.Y. got chemistry. Finally. <laughs> been waiting on it, been waiting on it all season. Hey, it's not something that just, uh, you know, happens overnight. I mean, and I think what's crazy, you know, everybody's talking about Cam Newton and they're not remembering, like, the New England Patriots have, Oh, uh, Coach Perry reminded me, it is not the Oakland Raiders. It is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, yes. I'm going to always get tripped up on that, man. That, that's kind of hard. Just like I, I continue to say San Diego Chargers when it's really the L.A. Chargers and all of that. L.A. Rams instead of St. Louis Rams. So, Washington, hey, Washington yeah. Redskins instead of those Washington football, football team. team. Yeah. So, if I get caught up, uh, th thanks for keeping me on my toes. I definitely appreciate that as well. But, yeah, man, uh, Cam Newton, I think he's going to be, be all right. You know, he's with a team who had a lot of guys before the season opt out due to the pandemic. And, you know, Jared Goff just got the Rams rolling. Uh, with Aaron Donald uh, on that defense, that dude's just a monster, man. You, it takes literally, it takes three guys to try to block that guy, you know, and Maybe, you know, throw in a chip on the fourth guy if he can. So your your offense gets – when you have to double team and triple team a guy or you have to maybe use somebody and chip a guy, you're taking away pieces 
and taking away things on your offense that you could possibly do. So the offense isn't really completely tailored to what he had to do in that game. And like I said, they're already missing pieces. Um, I just think that during a normal a normal season, he would definitely be all right, man. It's Belichick as well. They'll figure it. They'll figure it out. My thing is, and I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure Cam's deal is a one year deal, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a one year deal. And I hate it for him because he's not looking the best right now in this one year. But obviously, this isn't a normal year. They had have had a lot of people opt out. But I still feel like because, I mean, we can act like fans don't really have a lot of say and stuff. But when fans, when enough fans put the pressure on the program or the 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 team, the franchise, somebody is going to hear that and somebody is going to acknowledge that and probably make a move off of that. And. I'm not going to lie. I feel like Cam may or may not be be getting a raw deal because of this one year and he's not performing to how a lot of people thought he would perform. Like he's not meeting the expectations a lot of people thought that he would meet. So it wouldn't surprise me if Cam ended up a free agent this year, but I do think it would be dumb of New England to let him go. Well, you know, they – and a lot of people are thinking this because, you know, they benched him in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, the game was, you know, it was out of reach. It's the NFL. It's hard to score this many points. I mean, yeah, the Indianapolis Colts were able to score like 40-something points. But, I mean, it's that's rare. That really doesn't happen that often in the NFL where you have high-scoring games and things like that, unlike college. And, you know – What's his name? Uh, Bill Belichick already said, you know, Cam is – I'm still sticking with Cam. Uh, He's going to be the starter for the next game. So that leads to tell me that Bill Belichick still sees something in Cam and still knows that Cam has, you know, the mentality, has the skill set to play quarterback and be a starting quarterback. Uh, You know, Belichick, he goes to bat for his guys and – like uh, that, that's kind of what drew the friction between uh, Tom Brady and him. You know, he wanted Garoppolo. Uh, that was that was his guy. He wanted him, and he went to bat for him, and he didn't end up getting him. But I mean, that that's basically how that whole little thing, you know, turned out. It's a it's a. I love it because I hate the Patriots, but it's a very weird time up there in New England, and they're still trying to get things figured out. But maybe, hopefully, they'll get back on track and get everything right when we get some normalcy in the world. Right. And like I told you all, we are going to start going to uh, posting our picks on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook account. So... Definitely make sure that you're following us on all social media platforms. Uh, We only picked four games this week. Like we said, it was the Miami game. We did a terrible job in. We went ahead, picked the Rams to beat New England, picked Indy to beat Oakland. Uh, We just followed. To be honest, I was following the trends uh, on both games, Uh, just what the Rams have been doing and then just how bad uh, the Oakland Raiders have been looking lately. So, I mean that that's how I ended up coming with my three to one. 
uh, this week. And uh, overall record, uh, I'm sitting at 69%. So I, I slid a little bit. You know, uh, for for a while I was at seven in the seventies percent, but uh, still taking sixty nine is better than five hundred. It's better than being below that. Uh, Essek went ahead and moved up as well, and uh, he's at sixty percent now. Like I said, it's better than five hundred if you're using us to um, pick pick games and make bets. Uh, this is definitely the place that you need to be. Um, I've put my my picks against uh, some sports analysts on Fox and on ESPN, and I'm doing a whole lot better than they are. Uh, some of them, or a lot of them, aren't even above 500. So, I mean, right here at the Fans Edge, uh, if you haven't, you can follow me on social media. You'll definitely see how I watch games. So, I don't like missing games at all. I really don't, and to be honest, I've uh, probably found a new way on how I'm going to watch these games. And it's probably j- just so that I can end up watching more games. And I'll probably be in my bedroom a lot because I can put four screens on my computer. I got a share screen. I can put a full game on and then my TV right above my computer as well. So, I mean, that's how I'll be watching the games. Trust me, I know you. You're. It's not a lot of people. I thought I knew my stuff when it came to college football, and then I met you. <laughs> I'm gonna just leave it at that. Hey, man, I I I love college football. I, to be honest, man, I I want to say that I've met someone who loves college football just as much as me, man. Uh, other than you, but I, I mean, I really haven't. I haven't had anybody, you know, match my. Uh, enthusiasm because you know i take my saturdays off and i sit back relax and watch my game man i i love it i love it i don't like missing it uh if i'm if i'm not able to be at home watching it i like take my uh ipad and my phone and i'm watching them both you know so that that's just me you got anything else you want to say on the show um i will say this prayers up to Kevontae Johnson, player for the University of Florida basketball team. He did collapse yesterday on court. Yeah. A lot of people believe it could be because some of these programs aren't testing the student athletes the way they should be, and these could potentially be coronavirus. I mean, the Rona symptoms. And... And then, like a lot of people think this could be the Rona, the Rona symptoms, but we don't truly know. I, we hear that he is in critical but stable condition, but just prayers up to him because you hate to see something like that. I was talking about that earlier. I mean, it it hits me harder because that's my team. But if I was to yeah. see this happen to anybody in general, it would still be sad because you don't want to see something like this. Yeah, my wife, my wife and I looked at that video yesterday. Uh, we were sitting down eating, and we saw the video of him collapsing. And I'm just like, you know, it's like he started shaking, and then he just fell, went straight down, and it, it was just scary. And you just saw how emotional his teammates got right away. You know, like grabbing their head. Uh, one of the players just was jumping, like frustrated and crying, and 
man, you just hate to see stuff like that, man. Like, you never want to see someone get hurt. You definitely don't want to see anybody go down like that, man. Uh, my wife is out here, you know. Uh, I'm just letting you know, she said, I used to think I love college football, then I married Mike. She means that with the most shade possible. Uh, I'm just letting you know that right now. She loves me. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> she she loves me. She's definitely supportive. I love her too. Uh, but I don't think that she really likes the way that I like take up multiple TVs and watch my football. But I love her. Uh, it's one day out of the week. It's just one day out of the week. You know, she, she can deal with it, right, guys? Uh, we appreciate your support. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. Like I said, we will be posting our pics on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you're typing those in right now, the Fans Edge, and you're following us for those pics. If you can't catch the video and you need to go look for us on podcasts, we're on all major podcast platform. Uh, Anchor is our main one. That's how you can send in your voice messages and we can put you on the show and your voice can be heard. So make sure you're following us on there as well. We appreciate the love. We appreciate all of the support, everything that you guys uh, do for us, man. And like we said, uh, we, we kind of went over our little hour that we try to stay. But I mean, this, this is a, amazing, man. What's up? Real What's quick, up? real quick. Real quick, I just looked at my phone and I got a notification from ESPN that says Cleveland Indians will be dropping their nickname for more than a century. How do you feel about that? Being from, you know, Cleveland. yeah, we talked about this before and, you know, um, you said that they will be. Yes. Yeah. We talked about this when I was younger. I used to go back back then. It was Jacobs Field. Now it's called Progressive Field. And I used to go to, you know, Cleveland baseball games all the time. Uh, I remember my mom uh, taking this. It was uh, the Yacht Club because my uncles were all in the military. Shout out to the uh, military personnel. And every, we would go to the Yacht Club. They would always be selling these tickets. You go there, you buy the tickets from there. And what, what would it, it would include is, is you get go ahead in there, get a hot dog, get a hamburger, uh, get you some chips, get a fountain drink and everything. And then we would take these vans or whatever, we use their parking lot, take these vans, and it would take us uh, to Jacobs Field. And it's all downtown, like the yacht clubs downtown and everything as well. And we would go down there, or it actually wasn't the yacht club. It was the Coast Guard Club. I apologize. It was actually the Coast Guard Club. And it would take us down there, and I would be driving. We would be driving past right where they're about to let us off. And you see Native Americans out there protesting, like, and I just didn't understand. I didn't understand why, because I was too young to actually grasp it. But as I got older, I'm like, man, you know, uh, I'm not really cool with that. So obviously I couldn't fit any of, you know, my Cleveland gear that I had when I was younger. And so what I started doing, I was glad when they switched to the uh, to the Block C. So I started all my hats and everything, all my apparel that I do get that, you know, Cleveland baseball team all have the Block C instead of the Chief Wahoo uh, logo because like I said it, and it's just like once you learn stuff go ahead and adapt you know it, it it took nothing for me to adapt it took nothing for me to be understanding and I just think that that's what we need to do in this world and I think that that's how we can become uh better people and just 
like I said, just being more understanding, hearing people out. If they say it's disrespectful, why would you want to purposely disrespect the race, disrespect someone's ethnicity? You know, it's all about being a decent human being, right? Uh, teaching people. What, what are you going to teach your kids, you know? So major shout out to that. Uh, can't, can't wait to see what they're going to change it to. Um, definitely will have to give me some new apparel as well. But hopefully I still get to keep my block C, you know? Yeah, I mean, knowing you from Cleveland, I know you had something to say about that. When I was younger, one of my little league teams was the Indians. So, I mean, I have some type of connection with that, but I also understand why they would want to change that. So it's a big move. And like you said, I'm excited to see what they are going to be called from here on out. Yeah. And Coach Perry just posted, he said, opening day every year, the Native American supporters come out in full force. And, uh, you know, I haven't lived in Cleveland for almost – actually over 10 years now that's crazy but i mean to hear that they're still doing that you know uh mad respect to them and i'm glad that their voices are finally uh being heard again i want to thank you all for joining the, the fans edge and hanging out with me and essex remember to follow us on all of our social media platforms as well um and we're out Thank you.